appropriate discussion for today than the uh, the, the importance uh, and some of the ideas surrounding appreciation. You know, and who, who do we need to appreciate more than our mothers? Uh, probably no one, right? <laughs> uh, but what we do find, unfortunately, is that, and ironically, that usually, or there is a tendency for us to appreciate the least the people that we owe the most to. Um, and, you know, I've seen people, you know, you know, talk disrespectfully to their parents. I know I had one of my students uh, who told me about how his kids, like, treat him terribly. And, you know, and our parents give us everything. You know, they give us life. You know, they, they raise us and they take, took care of us for years and years while we were, you know, absolutely contributing nothing uh, to society, to the family, to the community, to the world, nothing. Uh, so I thought it's a good topic to talk about it. Um, you know, if you're, you know, obviously, if you, if, if a stranger gave you two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you'd probably be very appreciative. <clears throat> but the average cost of raising a child in America today is about two hundred fifty thousand dollars. But somehow our parents, well, we don't think of them as strangers, so therefore we kind of feel like we could be a little more, as we say in Yiddish, Hamish with them. Um, so, so this, that, that's a topic I wanted to talk about. And what we find is that the, the Torah stresses the importance of appreciation in many different places. Um, maybe one of the starkest examples of the premium, the importance paid uh, to appreciation is found in, in the book of Exodus. We find uh, the first three plagues. There's a plague of blood and frauds and kingdom is lice. So they all involved striking the, either the water the first two times or the earth with a staff. So God tell Moses, take the staff and strike the water, and take the staff and strike the ground, the earth. But interestingly, he tells them, I don't want you to do it. I want Aaron to do it. And the question is, hey, Moses is the guy. You know, Moses is the leader. He is the prophet. He's, you know, he's the primary player. God tells him, you know what, I want you to go tell someone else to do it. So the Talmud and the sages and Rashi, everyone, everyone jumps on this question as to why the Almighty asked Moses, tell Aaron to strike the water, tell Aaron to strike the water uh, for blood, for frauds, tell Aaron to strike the ground for, for lice. Uh, and the answer is... is, is it's an eye-opening answer. The answer is, is that Moses, as we know, as a little baby, he was placed in a box. And that box was let loose on the Nile. And, of course, we know that he was picked up by, uh, by Batya, the daughter of Pharaoh, the princess. He grew up with her. She kind of adopted him. She named him. Uh, she named him uh, Moses, and that's the name that we, we call him by, despite the fact that the Talmud records seven or ten names as to what, what was his, his, actual, his name. We, the Talmud records seven to ten different names for Moses. So the water kind of protected him. He floated in the water. He spent this time way, way, way back. We're talking about you know, 80 years earlier. He spent the time as a young person floating on the water. And the water kind of protected him. And therefore, he has to be appreciative to the water. He has to have gratitude to the Nile, that same, very same Nile that Jewish boys were cast into and drowned by the thousands. You have to be appreciative of it. It protected you. You can't hit it. You have to ask your brother Aaron to take the staff to ceremonially strike the water. 
That's what it says. It sounds like a stretch, right? Why does it sound like a stretch? It's just so complicated. I mean, how we thought, we as human beings, thought about how this happened. It didn't say that. Somebody's impression. Well, let me say, this is the argument we have every single week, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah but, but either way, so, so regardless, it says in the Talmud, it's a lesson. Whatever, however we got to this lesson. But either way, um, I, I, what's the obvious question? It's a, a show of gratitude to the water. What's the obvious question? Water doesn't feel it. The water is, the Nile's a river, right? So the river moves on. So this is different water. It's years later, and the water is inanimate. And, and the water itself has done much more worse than good for the Jews. You know, especially when you, you factor in the fact that this water was the place where the Jewish kids were thrown to, to die. Yet Moses says Moses can't strike him, Aaron has to strike him. And Why isn't it appreciation for Aaron for being the spokesman? Why is it what? Why is giving him the, the staff an appreciation for Moses to Aaron for his being the spokesman for Moses? Maybe. It means he, it, that, that's a, a, a theoretical possibility. But if you look at the rest of them, it says Moses did it himself. So if there's a departure here, Moses is the one who's doing it. He's overseeing this whole process. Yet, you know, for these two, and the third one, by the way, where he strikes the land, what's Moses' relationship with the land of, with the actual earth of, uh, of, of Egypt? We know Moses grows up. First thing that he does, he goes out and he sees an Egyptian man striking the Jewish man. And what does he do? He kills the Egyptian man. And he buries him where? And the earth kind of covers up the evidence. So the, this earth covers up the evidence for Moses. You can't strike the earth. That's what it says. So the Talmud, by the way, encapsulates this by the following statement. A, uh, a, a spring or a well that you drink water from, don't throw a rock in. You don't cast a rock into a, a well that you, sprain water from, that, you, that you drink water from. So the idea, just, just as we start talking about this, the idea is, I think the conclusion is, that appreciation, according to the Torah, is not about the recipient. It's about the doer of, right? Moses, you're obligated. It's not like the water cares either way. What does it know? It's not a consciousness. But as an individual, as a human, you have to learn, you have to be trained to feel appreciative of whatever good it's done to you. It doesn't matter whether that's a person or that's the almighty God. Or that's, you know, that's some inanimate thing that just the water or the, the land or something that you you have to be, you have to notice when something was done positively towards you. And it, it's irrespective of what that thing is. And I think that's an, an incredible way to open up the discussion. There's a responsibility, according to the Torah, for us to be appreciative, not only of people that had a choice of whether or not to give us something good. It could be as anything, you know, to be, to be a spouse who does a lot good for us. A parent obviously does a ton for us. Uh, uh, professional relationships, you know, friends that we have. Someone that gives you a ride where you're hitchhiking. Anyone that does something good for someone opens the elevator for you. Anyone does anything good, no matter how grand or even how minuscule it is, there's an appreciation of reciprocity. But it extends further. I, as an individual, me, regardless of the uh, of the doer of of the instigator, of the, uh, of, the, of, of the force or the element or the entity that brought me the good, I have to, for myself, 
I'll be appreciative. It changes me. I'm a different person. I'm a better person when I say, you know what? I drink water from this. I'm not going to trash it. You know, I, 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 I enjoyed this countryside. I'm not going to throw my trash on the side. I'm not, I'm not going to litter it. And even if no one will see it, still. You know, I'm not going to sully something that did, that did good for me. And it changes me. I become a better person. So, well, that's an explanation I'm trying to explain this. I, I found that online, I found this great story about one of the, of Rosh Hashiva. Big Rosh Hashiva lived in Israel. Uh, he, he lived, he, there was Rosh Hashiva who had a yeshiva in, in Vilna, Vilnius, in, uh, in Lithuania or Poland, depends which uh, hour of the day it is, right? Um, and he, after he survived the war, and he came, he moved, he moved to Jerusalem, to Rehavia, and he built a massive yeshiva, still there today. Uh, he died in 1987. Uh, his name was Rabbi, Rabbi Gustman. Gustmanu. Gustman. And uh, every day after the morning services in the yeshiva, he would take the water and he would go water all the plants in the yeshiva. Uh, like, you know, all the Israeli, Israeli natural-born Israelis are like, oh, this crazy European rabbi who likes to... You know, who likes to water the plants. But one of the students mustered up the courage to go over to him and say, you know, Shashiva, you're, you know, you're 83 years old. You know, we could ask maybe the custodian to water the grass. Like, why would you be the guy who's watering the grass or watering the, the plants or whatever was going on? So he told him, he says, when he was in Vilna, the Nazis occupied Vilna, and he was once, someone noticed him, I don't know exact details, but someone noticed him and started chasing him. And he was running for his life, and he hid behind bushes. And he said, from then on, for the rest of his life, he feels indebted to bushes, right? trees, foliage, and he wants to personally water the, water the grass or water the bushes. And like, to me, that's, 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 I think that's fulfilling this idea of Moses. You know, it's the same thing. It's, I become a better person when I recognize that good is done, done for me, irrespective of, 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 of who is bringing about that good. And even that may be animate, inanimate. You know. um, what's the danger of the flip side? What's the danger of someone's ingracious? You take everything for granted. You're entitled to everything. You're entitled to everything. You have to give nothing. It's all about you. <laughs> <laughs> So I, 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 I think we can make the argument, we'll, we'll try to do this today, but I think that this media, this characteristic of noticing what, what something good happens to you and, and, and responding, not being entitled like you said, that is, is something which is so central because it, 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 it's a gateway. It's a gateway characteristic. It kind of brings about all the other good positive characteristics as well. You know, if someone feels like everything's entitled to them, but they're selfish, well, what could happen? You know, what happens to someone who's selfish? A lot of really bad things. Another great story. I might, have, I might have said this story before because this is one of my favorite stories um, about uh, a fellow by the name of Rabbi Avigdor Miller, someone whose uh, book I've recommended to some people here. Uh, either way, um, he, he had this fanatic quality. I mean, he took this like, to fanatic extent. Like he, for example, when he would sit in, in the synagogue, he always had next to him a bottle of water. Not because he was, you know, let's just say he was... He was um, or something like that. Always. And he kept the same bottle for 60 years next to him. Why? Because he wants he wanted to always be appreciative of the miracle of water. You know, we kind of take water for granted because there's so, so much of it. 
But that's just a reflection of, 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 of God's kindness. You know? If there was scarcity in something like water, then your gold, no amount of gold could buy the water, right? right? The reason why gold is valuable is because it's scarce. Right? The reason why water is not valuable is because it's plentiful. But if the scarcity levels were the same, well, then there would be no price for it. Like, it would be extra. And, and it's the Almighty's kindness that he gave us Stuff that we need in such abundance, the stuff that we only want, it's nice, it's cute, it's fun, that he gave us in much smaller proportions. California's doing well. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking about. Now, I'm sure everybody's voting the same thing at the same time. Yeah. Israel is where the uh, desalination plant is. You mean the Golden State, right? All you have to do is desalinate. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, yeah, I, I think Mr. Miller went There you go. There you go. Um, and by the way, he wrote the, in my opinion, the best trilogy on Jewish history um, that's been published. So if you ever hear me talk about Jewish history, I usually use that book as, or one of those three books as, uh, as some preparatory material. That amongst other books. But either way, so he had this this idea. He took this idea to the great. So he always had this water because to him, like the miracle of water and constantly being appreciative of all the good that we have and the Almighty gives us, and and how lucky we are and how thankful we have to be. So the story goes. I might I might have said it before. If you've heard it before, then you can bask in the amazingness of the story once again. So his his grandson uh, was privy, who walked in and he saw his grandfather uh, with his head submerged in a bucket of water. I have said that, right? It's a great story. And his head submerged in the bucket of water, and he's there, like, you know, it's, it's been 20 seconds. That's a lot of time for me. And then he pulls it out and gives a big gulp of, a gulp of air and dunks it back in. He does this a few times, and then the guy's like, you know, what's the deal? Why would someone do that? It looks a little delusional. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe he's a little old. Who knows, right? Uh, uh, you know, so I, I remember we had a guy in Yeshiva who didn't like, take, didn't like taking showers, full showers, but he wanted to, like, so he would like, I remember him sticking his head under the, uh, under the spout and then washing his hair and doing shampoo. And that's it. You're good to go. You don't need, who needs the whole divestment of clothing and all that? It's so much simpler. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's so much simpler to just do the shower in the, uh, in the sink, whatever. Uh, either way, so he says, so he asked them, why are you doing that? Like, why are you submerging your, your face on the water? So he says, because he was in New York City. And someone told us, so much smog and so much pollution. The air quality is so bad. And we know if we were put on, like, Mars uh, without oxygen, we'd survive, like, I don't know, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes maybe? So someone is essentially saying this free, uh, 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 life-giving, I guess, uh, commodity, thank you, uh, is just free, and it's there, and it's it's, it's available, and there's so much of it, it's so fantastic, you know? But someone's saying, oh, you know, it's so small, I can't breathe it, you know? That they are rejecting, they're not noticing the tremendous good. They're not appreciating, right? They're being gracious. They're being entitled. Not only that, not it's more than entitled. They're complaining about all the good that they get. Can you imagine? You give someone something good, and they start complaining. Like that's a much higher level of an ingratitude. Not only you're not ingratious. Reminds me about my mother. And from Mother's Day. <laughs> Nothing could satisfy a Jewish mother, right? Unless you're a doctor. But you are, right? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> so, uh, not medical. So, 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 so that, 
and that's such an incredible love. And, and you know what? How often have we said that? You know, have we said about thing? I'm, not, I'm, I'm pointing to myself. I'm saying this is a human character characteristic where we have gifts given to us for free. You know, we have all these wonderful things, and not only don't we appreciate it, we we take it for granted, but we complain about it. And what do you do when you dunk your head in the, in the water? What do you do if you dunk your head in the water for 45 seconds? You get out. Do you appreciate the air? What happens when you create artificial scarcity? If you're stuck, if, if you're in the Sahara Desert, right, you're in a situation of scarcity, then you value the water. So, so if you wanted to make sure that you too achieved this appreciation and gratitude, you know what you do? You create the artificial scarcity. You dunk your head, in, you dunk your head into, the, into, the, into the pail of water and keep it there for 45 seconds. Suddenly, oxygen is it's good, yeah. With the smog and with the pollution. Phenomenal story of how, like, six months, it's one thing after another, something going wrong with the space station that was causing the, the oxygen not to flow. It's like a battle after a battle to keep oxygen going. And he just tells this whole story for an hour. They tell, like, when he came down here, he just, like, could not believe it. It's like all the oxygen was <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's a great story. Yeah. So, uh, other examples of appreciation of the Torah, we find. Um, a mitzvah in, in Deuteronomy of, of, a, of a convert who's Egyptian. We have a long history with the Egyptians. You know, read the book, right? We have a very long, you know, protracted uh, episode with, with the Egyptians. But we were also there as foreigners, as soldiers, as visitors to the land. So it says we, we have to welcome, this is Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 8, there's a mitzvah to welcome Egyptian converts to Judaism. Why? It means more than other converts. We have a mitzvah to love, love converts and respect converts and right, everything. On top of that, if they're Egyptian from Egypt, we spend time, we collectively as a nation spend time in their land, despite all the fact that we had, it wasn't so easy there, right? You know, it had its ups and downs, if you will. But still, yeah, a lot of downs, yeah. We have to be extra nice, we have to be extra welcoming to Egyptian Converts uh, and and therefore uh, and, and welcome into the community because we were uh, because we were soldiers and we, and we know you know what's the you know what's the takeaway or what, what what's the lasting uh, image that we have of our time in Egypt it was pretty bad you know and and what what's the the hallmark of our uh, of our faith is the exodus from Egypt you know that's when we finally had got freedom you know it was it was we went from the from from the worst situation to the best situation. You know, and but still, because we had time that we spent there, we have to appreciate even something as minuscule as another example here um, is that uh, Phineas, a uh, fan favorite here. Um, so he was sent instead of Moses uh, when it talks about in I think it's also in in in, in Numbers to smite the Midianites. So they had all these battles um, with the Midianites. After the Exodus, so who was sent? So God tells Moses, "You go," but or he gave him the instruction, but he didn't go because Moses, as we know, Moses married a Midianite woman, and he spent some time. Right, but she was from Midian, from Midian. Israel was from Midian. He spent time in Midian. Um, 
Isha Kushit, that uh, doesn't necessarily mean that she was from Kush. Kushit in Hebrew means she was black. So does, was she black or not? Or does it mean, like Rashi says, that just like when someone is black, that's undeniable, so do her qualities were undeniable? So Rashi says. But either way, she was from Indian, and that's where Moses spent some time. And therefore, because you have to have gratitude to that place, you cannot be leading the battle. Send Phineas, send him to, send him, send him to lead. You sit in the back, because despite the fact that it has to be done, this is the you know this is one of the arch enemies of the Jewish people, right? They uh, they oversaw uh, one of the uh, one of the great um, uh, one of the great uh, episodes of 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 of, uh, of say this of misdeeds perhaps that they orchestrated the whole story of Bilam and Balak and all that and that terrible curse that happened to Jewish people afterwards. Still, Moses. It has to be done, but not necessarily by you. Once again, the idea of appreciating all, all that's good. Now, if I ask you guys a question, what is, what is more important? Or better yet, what, if we're going to work on, on what we appreciate, right? let's work on appreciation, right? Would we say that appreciation of massive things is very important and little things less important? Are we going to tailor our appreciation to the scale, to the scale of what goodness? You know, so so if you know if someone gives you, if someone opens a door for you, well, that's very nice. But if someone I don't know buys you a new car, that's even better. You got to appreciate that even more, right? How are we going to understand the idea of scale, the scale with regards to the goodness that you receive, to how much appreciation you're going to uh, dispense? What do y'all say? Okay, so. So you say if you want to receive more, you appreciate more? Goodness is You have to appreciate everything, regardless of scale. Start with the big things. So we're saying you got to appreciate. Everyone's saying we have to appreciate everything, big things, small things. Uh, I think we have probably there are different levels of appreciation. Appreciation of a drink of water, while important, cannot be compared to of life or love or health. But either way, there's a lot of so. Well, you're opening the door. There's really a lot of areas that we need to work on because you know how many people, if they're feeling a okay, are thinking about appreciating their health. It, it doesn't it doesn't really cross the uh, consciousness until there's something wrong. Unfortunately, what yeah. what I meant what I meant if you appreciate everything in sight, you would probably don't have enough stamina to appreciate things that may matter the most. If you appreciate your neighbors just as much you appreciate your kids, uh, because the neighbors are nice. You probably by appreciating <laughs> them more, uh, appreciating them, you take your uh, eyes off the ball. So, but are you saying are you saying that everyone has a finite amount of appreciation that they could give, and you want to assign that to the right thing? 
Yeah, it's just like fine. Appreciation is attention, right? You have a five, you have 24 hours a day. Want to appreciate it Almighty attention? more than you appreciate your neighbors? Probably. <laughs> uh, but if you spend three hours a week talking with the guys over the, over the fence saying, hey, I really appreciate you, Fred, and you're a great guy. Well, <laughs> it leaves you three hours less on appreciating your wife or your parents. Or, or, or maybe we could say that appreciation is going to create a quality of mindfulness. So whatever you're doing, you're mindful of it. So if you if you if the Almighty is doing good for you, you're mindful of that and you recognize it, you notice it. It's a gratitude it, thing. Gratitude in yourself. Gratitude in yourself. Yeah, you don't want to spend your whole time saying, geez, I love being this. Is, I appreciate this. You, know, I appreciate you don't have it. to it's ask. It's a natural it kind of thing. A feeling. It should, it should be, and how do we go about getting to that thing? It means, yes, of course, when someone trains themselves to be appreciative, then it'll eventually become second nature to them. But unfortunately, at least the way we start off life, we start off life being entitled to everything and appreciating nothing. That's how kids start off, for sure. The question is, are they going to undo that over the course of their lives? Are they going to train themselves? Are their parents going to train themselves? You know, you see parents as... You know, say thank you when someone does something, right? You, a parent, right? You go to shul, the kid gets the candy from the candy man. What do you tell him? Make sure you go say thank you to him. Why? Because you're training the child to know that the candy was given to them by someone else and they're not entitled to it. They got it anyhow. You got to appreciate it. You got to notice it and you got to mention it. I wonder how long appreciation will last in California. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, of course, the problem there is the backsliding. <laughs> we have grown Okay, I'll see you in an hour. <laughs> you know, I mean, you think a minute ago we were talking about how significant the peace accords were between the Jews and Malcolm Begin and Mark Sabat. Talking about appreciating Egypt. Yeah, pretty interesting. So we're still having history with Egypt. Right? Oh, yeah. We didn't have a long history, we're still having history. Yeah. Still having history. Yeah. Because you're not only do, you're not only appreciating the item, you're appreciating the the thought or the effort or the gesture and, and how and the not, sacrifice. Not necessarily the last one, but something they don't have to give you. Yet they did. If a neighbor, my proverbial example, gives you, I don't, I don't know, cookies, right? Absolutely under no obligation to give you. Much more appreciating than they say, "Hey, how are you doing?" I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Well, the other employees that doing would be person who does something to make them appreciative. That's a feeling. Well, that's kindness usually, yeah, that's kindness. and that's also a very good feeling, of course. And it, 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 what does it engender? It engenders mutual love, mutual appreciation, and mutual respect. You know? But we find something very interesting in Genesis, uh, chapter 30. Uh, and this is talking about the story of Jacob and his two 
sister wives, literally, actually. Um, <laughs> He's keeping it in the family. So <laughs> and, uh, and Leah, the less favorite one, has four children. And Rachel, the favorite one, has zero children. And that clearly creates a certain measure of competition, uh, jealousy, envy. And what, is, what, is the, what does the verse say about, about Rachel? And Rachel saw that she had not bore children for Jacob, and she was envious of her sister. And she told Jacob, give me children. If not, I will die. Rachel is saying, if I have no children, I'm, I'm dead. I, I have no reason to live. For whatever reason, yes, yeah, so probably status. Lonely, maybe lonely. she's lonely and and she's envious and she feels like she's losing her husband and she feels like she has no life. What she's doing? What she's living for? A lot of reasons would contribute to that. But if you were to characterize, what? How did Rachel associate her the misery of her lack of child of children? Failure. More than that, what yeah. death? That's yeah. it. That's what it says. It's it's everything. Death means it's finality. It's nothing. I'm I'm worth nothing. Right? I'm dead. I'm, I'm, not, I'm definitely not here. Unless it's a uh, hyperbole. Well, whatever, whatever the hyperbole is, that is how it's characterized. And we know, and Jacob responds, he's, he's angrily, he's like, was, this, you know, did I, was I the one who, who prevented you from having children? You know. Either way, fast forward uh, several verses later, and finally Rachel has a child. And the name of Rachel's child is? The first child. Benjamin's the second child. The name of Rachel's first child. No doubt Reuven will be Leah's. Jacob Jr. Not Jacob Jr. <laughs> JJ. They call him JJ. Joseph. That's absolutely right. So if I ask you a question, okay, Rachel started off, no children. If I don't have children, I'm dead. I'd, I'd rather be dead. That's it. That's how miserable she was. So now that she has children, she has life, right? She has everything. Right? It's suddenly, you're no longer dead. You're alive. It's like resuscitation for her. How delighted would she be? Right? Remarkably, right? So what what she name him? She said Yosef. The word Yosef means to gather. Well, it means to add. So she said, I want Joseph. Uh, she, there's two meanings by the name. Joseph means uh, to add, Yosef, to add another child. She's really thinking about the next one. And she said, Asaf Hashem is Kharpasi. Asaf is from the word Yosef, the same root. God gathered in my shame. I'm not, I have no, no more shame anymore. Now, if I want to ask you guys the question, what does this mean? She no longer has any shame. Right? So what would you say? Well, she was dead. Or she was considered herself dead. And maybe every time she went out, and was like, uh, oh, you buy this for your family? Oh, no, 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 no family, right? You know, that's shame. That, there's incredible shame of being alone, right? Of not having a child. You know, especially, you know, when you compare it to her sister, to, 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 to Leah. She has lots of kids and lots of chaos and noise, and, and she has nothing. Shame. And now God gathered in her shame. Is that right? Is that right? Yes, I'm looking for some Sorry about that. The one that every time, you know, five points. Uh, so the, the Talmud says like this. Listen to this, guys. I think this is mind-blowing. What's the shame of, of Rachel? This is a direct quote. Well, that's what we you would think, right? To not have her place in society. That's what I would say. Not place in society, not have her, her role in life, whatever whatever it is. But it's a it's a reflection of 
if I have no children, I'm dead. Might be jealousy. That's what we would all think. What does it say? Like? It says like this. As long as a woman does not have any children, she doesn't have someone to blame for her missteps. But when she has a child, when she has a child, she can blame him. For example, who broke this dish? Your son. Who ate the dates? Your son. That's what it says. It says that Rachel now... Not our son. This is Talmud. Talmud. Talmud Rashi brings it down. Talmud is saying that when it says that she gathered in her shame, now she has a scapegoat. Now everything that's wrong in the house is not necessarily her fault. Right? If, if, if the house is not perfectly clean, well, it wasn't me. It was your child. Your son. Right? Oh my Joe Jacob walks into the house. Who ate the cookies? Wait, Rachel, you ate my cookies again. No, 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 no. It was Joseph. It was your son. Right? Who broke the vessel? Your son. She has a scapegoat. Gathered in my shame. And you know what? That is the name. She named him Joseph because of that reason. Does that make any sense? Do you know that Rashi is oftentimes considered very out there in left field? No, but that's actually not incorrect because Rashi always, uh, always, his philosophy is always to go with with, with Pshat. Pshat means uh, uh, simplistic understanding. And he's going to quote the Talmud. So the Talmud goes, this, this, is the, this is it, but what's the lesson here? Is that the only thing she's appreciative of? What would you think? Oh, finally what I was waiting for. I mean, she's appreciative of everything. But I think the lesson is that she's even appreciative of the things that are the smallest of the scale. Of course, when she said, if I have no children, I'd rather be dead. It wasn't because she have no have no scapegoat. Certainly. Right? It was because her role in life, like we said, her shame, uh, you know, her loneliness, whatever, whatever the reason is, right? she felt that she was that she, if you didn't have a child, you know, she would. She, she's well, dead. who would take care of her in her old age? Well, maybe not. Maybe children. another. Maybe another reason. But now she has a child. The government. <laughs> she would have been. Uh, <laughs> <the government>. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be old. That's exactly what I would say. And I think the fact that the Talmud tells us this, I think it's telling us a a great lesson as to how we go about achieving this. Of course, it's very easy for someone who has had uh, an issue which they have equated to life and death to be grateful. When someone is miraculously saved from an illness or from if someone's miraculously saved from a terrible accident... Right? If someone goes from being dead to being alive, it's very easy to be appreciative of that. And how long is that appreciative? Depends on who it is. However, for someone, for someone, for someone to... We just talked about this. Rabbi does. Yeah. But if you do things like the rabbi did, like Jesus did, always have a little bottle of water in your hand. Keep yourself 
and I, and I think what what the Talmud is telling us, highlighting is the importance of appreciating the little things. You know why? Because when you appreciate the little things, not only that, you become an appreciative person. When you just appreciate the big things, well, that's that's much closer to be natural, a natural response. You know, someone gives you the car or gives you the baby. Of course, how do you not feel joy and appreciation for the miracle of life? Yeah. Of course, but the greatness is achieved when someone becomes, in their totality, an appreciative person. And how do you do that? By noticing everything, and even the things that are insignificant, or at least comparatively insignificant. And the Torah is telling us that that's what she spent time on. She spent time on that because, either as a reflection or as a means. This is how you achieve appreciation. Right? She was appreciative also of that as well. Right? Maybe that, uh, th- th- that that's a reflection of the totality of her appreciation. But also that is how we would go about appreciating everything. Because if you appreciate, ev- if you appreciate those little things, those tiny little things that you wouldn't even think about, like, but at some point you're like, oh, you know, suddenly now everything's my fault. Like, that could come up you know, every once in a while. If you appreciate that as well, Right? That is appreciating mindset. That is a mindset where you notice everything that, that happens to you and you appreciate it as well. Well, I, I maintain that Jacob had to pay more attention to him when he took out his son. Of course, and that, that would be a more central reason for appreciation. Of course, Jacob now appreciates more of uh, son. She has a, a place in life, of course. But even the things that are insignificant, that you would, she was an appreciative person, and thus it's reflected in all the small things as well. Yeah. And if someone is appreciative in the in the Rachel example, what happens? They have they have touch points of appreciation throughout their day. It's not just you know uh, on the holidays when they get a gift, or on Mother Day's Mother's Day when they get the flowers, or the bigger things in life. But every positive, like you walk out and you have a, you know, just you, you, you breathe in or it's a beautiful day. You, know, you stop and you, you say, thank God for such a beautiful day. Like, that's a small thing. How long does that take? It doesn't take. But, but, but it means that that positive thought and that positive energy is revisited multiple times a day. Rabbi, uh, my, uh, if I might, uh, is there a difference between the importance between appreciation and thankfulness? Well, I, I, I think I, I, there is a subtle difference. Yes, yes. I think thankfulness. I, I, I like to look at it. At, oh, I have more examples of this. I like to look at it as appreciation or a one element. I don't forget about the names that we're going to call appreciation. Perhaps let's call it appreciation. Is noticing it, realization, the mindfulness, and the gratefulness is the response that you do. It means if someone realizes a good that happened to them, well, that is going to kick off the response of what happens when someone does something good for them. So yes, I think there's two components, but they 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 work together. They feed off each other. So, if, so Moses realizes the good that the uh, the water and the earth did for him, and he says, "I'm not going to strike it." Uh, Rachel appreciates obviously everything, all the big things, but also all the little things, right? And she notices it, and she and she enshrines it in his name. The action is uh, the action of gra- uh, gratitude uh, uh, is engendered by the realization that the gratitude is is appropriate. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's 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 congenitive. It's kind of congenitive. It's cognitive. Sorry, what's congenitive mean? Bad. That's bad, right? (laughs) Sorry. Cognitive and congenitive. It's Sunday morning, guys. Remember that example, why a long time ago you made of a prisoner in the Nazi concentration camp who was praying, thanking God, thanking him for something and one another prisoner. Why are you thanking God for your here? That thanks for, I could have been like them pointing at the guards. Wasn't it Victor Frankl? I, I don't, I don't remember. Frankl. I remember the example which was extremely striking. Example. Yeah, very striking. Well, he thanks God, but I don't think he appreciates his situation. <laughs> Question is, in someone in the in in the in such a great despair, could they find any good in their lives? And how does that help them when they have or they associate good, you know, good reactions you know, or good realities to their to their to their plight? You can be in a dire situation and still look at it as a half full, not That's half right. empty. That's right. But it depends on the person. But I, I and I do and I do think that that if someone becomes someone who is very adept at appreciation, no matter how bad things quote unquote get for them, they could still be happy and positive and upbeat because they notice all the good as well. So one can be like what you know, a serial appreciator. That's right. And and when someone No, no, it, it it's it's not that, it's an and attitude change. It denigrates Things that you really should appreciate. No, no, not necessarily. I think it's, it's positive. I think it's very positive because yeah, then, yeah. then you'll be happy regardless of the situation. The thing appreciates the cop who gave me the ticket. Appreciate. Uh, yeah. So Bernie appreciates the IRS, right? <laughs> <laughs> or you can always just go back to the fact that you have the water and you have the oxygen. You know that that is. You know, if somebody, if you really realize how important, how amazing those things are, you could be happy regardless because no matter how bad things quote unquote get for you, you still have that. You know, you still have a soul, and you still have fingers that bend, and you still have, you know, vision. And you know, if someone, you know, if someone told you, uh, take your situation and just, you know, we'll make any bad situation good, but you have to give up your eyesight. You know, there's no one, no one would life in prison. Right, is preferable to them being blind, right? Will we agree to that? Yeah, maybe yes, maybe no. We have doubts here. Depends on the prison. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking about one of those those cushy federal ones. Or <laughs> but either way, it, it, this serial appreciation—it's not just serial appreciation; it's a quality of being an appreciator that is going to help you throughout 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 your life uh, to make it a bit. You'll have a better life, as we'll see a little bit later. I did. Fan favorite, always. I want to find a, a, a few more examples here of this idea of stressing the little things. Um, we know in Hanukkah, the story of Hanukkah, we went through in great detail, uh, was a story of remarkable 
military uh, victory. Uh, the Jews were a ragtag guerrilla army uh, led by, a, by, by an old priest who was 85 years old, Matthias, and then his kids. Uh, and they somehow miraculously succeeded in getting rid of one of the preeminent empires of the time uh, from, uh, from you know, getting them out of the land of Israel and reestablishing Jewish sovereignty over the land, something that hasn't happened for hundreds of years. Remarkable story. And you look at how we memorialize and remember that story, and we light candles. We light candles. Why? Because after, we have a little story, after they came back, they came to the temple, they couldn't find uh, any unbroken or any uh, uncontaminated oil. It was supposed to last for one day, it lasts for eight days. Fantastic. If you were to compare these two miracles next to each other, which one is more central to the Jewish people? Antiochus IV says, you study Torah, you give your kid a circumcision, you keep Shabbat, you observe the laws of kosher, you're dead. Obviously, he is directly challenging the viability of our religion. You know, and then there's a protracted battle, it's a 25-year battle, and it's victorious in the end. Right? That was the battle for Jewish survival. Right? If we failed, we would not be here today. I mean, if they failed, at the time, we would be gone. So think about how important the military battle is on the one hand. On the other hand, you have the, you have the miracle of the oil. And the, the, the law is that you have to use pure oil. But when there's no pure oil anywhere, you could use impure oil as well. So the only difference between what would have happened and what did happen was whether or not they used pure or impure oil. Either way, they would have used oil and would have been fine. And seven days later, they would have, they would have had plenty of oil. And, you know, why would you highlight the miracle of, of, of much more minor significance and not, and not talk about the major miracle of major significance. This is, a, this is a, a central question that we have to talk about if we ever talk about Hanukkah. I think when we did speak about the holidays in the calendar, we probably did talk about this. So this is, obviously there's a lot of questions, a lot of answers to this question. I think that our answer uh, for today would, uh, would have some place in this discussion. And that is yes, if you compare the miracles, the miracle of the oil was completely, almost completely insignificant compared to the miracle of the military victory. But it was still a miracle, and it was still uh, something very positive, and it was, it was, you know, it was it was boosted the morale of the Jewish people at the time. It was a miracle. It was minor, but but even that we have to notice, and even that we have to stress. Of course, it does not mean to neglect the major things. Course. But the major things we're more likely to uh, to appreciate anyhow. If we want to become serial appreciators, right? The Torah tells us you look at the little things. Right? Don't be ingracious. Don't be don't be enti- don't feel entitled to any anything, and then you'll appreciate everything. Uh, a few more examples. Another great story from the Talmud. This is a great story about one of the rabbis. His name was Rabbi Chia. Chia. Uh, and he had a, a wife that uh, uh, she would deliberately pain him. That's what it says. She would always go out of the out of her way to make his life miserable. There's a, no, she wasn't. Not the words he had the wife. None is. No, that's terrible. Yeah. And it says, yet when he would chance upon something, she would lie. So he would go to the, you know, if he like was walking by the bakery and he, he smelled the uh, croissant, or if he saw some nice flowers, he would take it and he would wrap it in a in a handkerchief. He would gift wrap it and bring it to her. 
So one of the other rabbis said to him, I don't, I don't get it. Like, your wife does so many things to make your life miserable, but you go out of the way to try to appreciate her and be nice to her and love her and even gift wrap it, you know. What's the deal? <laughs> yeah, I missed that one as well. So he responded like this, even if she only raises our children and saves us from sin, we have to appreciate her. What he essentially is saying is, is that even the bare minimum, you know, a spouse, someone who helps raise the kids, you know, for better or for worse, right, they're in the trenches with you. Uh, they save you from sin, at least uh, minimally. If a man didn't have a uh, have a woman, oh, okay. a wife, well, then who knows what he would do, right? Indeed, who knows? So, so what he was telling us is that yes. <laughs> but we have the recording, so we can just uh, we can just send it to her. My wife knows that paragraphs that you said that were. Remember before? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's your son who did that. Right? <laughs> she knows that, like, you know, that's what back I'm and forth. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing she knows on Taurus, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you better zip it. <laughs> Once again, we find the idea of appreciating even something which is very, at least comparatively insignificant, and obviously the bad and the fact that, you know, she was a miserable wife. There's other stories in the Talmud about her. She seems like she was, uh, you know, she's renowned in her capacity for making his life miserable. Uh, but either way, he did not ignore the good that came with it. He didn't, he didn't ignore the bad as well. He says, even so. Yeah, I know, I know that she's maybe, you know, that, you know, maybe she's, uh, she's a little, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, Challenging, okay, that's, that's what we're looking for, but yeah, nagging, also closer, we're getting closer. Uh, but you know, she is deliberately trying to pay me, and, that, and I know that, and how I deal with that is, is, is one issue. However, I still have to be appreciative because of the good. So, even when something is a mixed bag, think about this it's a mixed bag, you got something which is half good, half bad, and you could argue that the bad overshadows the good. The Torah is telling us that as uh, in our goal to becoming a more appreciative person, and we'll see what that brings us to. We have to make sure that we highlight the good uh, as well. We don't ignore it because of the bad that comes along with it. But that's not what he says. Yes, yes. So, but that's your wife. And I, and I, but I do agree that odds are she's a better wife afterwards uh, than she would have been otherwise. Which is a little, a little devilish, you know, that where you, you know, you you do something good in the hopes of recipro- reciprocity. You're saying, yeah, I think that's why I can understand that wife is one of you, right? But if it's a stranger, not stranger, but coworker or neighbor or something like that, or in the balance, he's more troubles than a boss. He, he's worse than boss. So sometimes you get something good, but mostly something bad for. You still have to appreciate Would the good. Would you still be appreciative, appreciative of that? Pre- appreciate the good. Appreciate the good. Right. Tolerate the bad. A boss. A boss is a great example. You can have a bad boss. 
but the boss is your boss, and and they help pay your salary, and uh, you have to appreciate that as well. You can't ignore that if if you're an appreciative person. You know, unfortunately, I think a lot of times the bad jumps out at us. It's so glaring. It's so glaring to us because that's that's the human condition. Yeah, but by the same token, for instance, if you look at Jewish history, say Roman conquest, Persian conquest, certainly it's bad, right? But on the same they brought some law and order, some laws. They invested money in the, into the economy. So all of a sudden, we ungrades raised, uh, rose in rebellion against the Romans or the Persians or Babylonians or you name it, right? How is that uh, can be jibed with what you just said? Maybe you have to appreciate the good, but to if, the point. but but if it's if it's if it's really injurious to your way of life, then you have to do what you have to do. And I'm saying Egypt's a great example. You know, we left, and we left uh, with some fanfare. But still, we have to appreciate the Egyptians. You know, we have to welcome the Egyptian converts. So even something which is in its totality bad, there has to be an element of recognition of good. And, but the totality of bad may compel us to take drastic actions. You know, so maybe the argument could be made, hey, the Romans came and they made all the roads, and, and we have to be appreciative. I think that's a good argument. Yeah. But the Romans brought a lot of bad, a lot more bad than good. Uh, but still, I, do, I think uh, it, it uh, you know, the logic, at least in, 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 from, this, from this perspective, I think it would, would follow to say that we have to appreciate the good as well, despite the fact that we'll rebel and we'll try to kill them all, but still. But the night to read the news, it's glaring, like Janet said. It, it jumps out at you. That's the way we're naturally wired. We're naturally wired that the good jumps out at us, and the bad, I'm sorry, the bad jumps out at us, and the good we ignore. You know, because we do ignore. How, how much good we have is astronomical compared to how much bad we have. We're undoing it. We're undoing the childish selfishness. Uh, I have one more example. You guys want to one more example? Should we go to the next idea? I feel like I'm... Boring you with it. Let's go to the next idea. Okay, no, okay, no. It's not boring. Um, Just I'll do it really quickly. So there's a mitzvah of Bikurim in the Torah. The first fruit. You see the first the first fruit budding, you gotta make a little you tie a little red string on the first on the first fruit you bring to Jerusalem. You bring a basket, you bring to Jerusalem. Uh, and according to uh, the Torah, you have to make this whole declaration and appreciative and you have to you have to, you have to travel up to two weeks both ways. To there and back in order to celebrate in Jerusalem. If someone has a little four by four, a little patch in their backyard, you know, they have a little field, and that's that's what that's what they have. They still have to go all the way to Jerusalem right, to show appreciation for their eight fruits that they have. Scale doesn't matter. And if they don't, then they're not then rejecting the rejecting the good. Then they're, they're, they're being ingracious. So that entire Torah section is a is a whole mitzvah, but a mitzvah that's linked with a lot of a lot of effort to go to Jerusalem and do the pilgrimage and travel up to two weeks each way. It's it's a big deal. And if you don't do it, you're ungracious. Even if all you have is a little four by four, small little patch of a of, of a field in your backyard. Well, yeah, it's 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 well, you don't give it; you eat it yourself. But it's it's you bring it to Jerusalem, and the Jerusalem is is where obviously we we associate the Jewish center as being, and you you, you know you show your appreciation. But 
And if you don't, well, then you're being gracious. But what, what do I have? You know, you look at your neighbors with all these massive houses and fancy cars, and you know, you have a little, little, you know, little, little patch of uh, of fruit trees in your backyard. That's what you have. You have very little comparatively. But if you don't, if you don't, if you don't, then you're not appreciative. We have to appreciate any little bit of goodness, even if it has, uh, you know, comparatively, you know, it's not so impressive. I want to go a little deeper here. So in Hebrew, the word for for appreciation is hakaratatov, which literally means recognition of good. And the opposite is kfirabatov, which means rejection of good. And this goes very well with, with what I think Vitali said, that there's, there's multiple components to how appreciation works. And the first component is to recognize the good, to notice it even. Sometimes you may think something's bad, but if you recognize the good, then you'll notice that it's good. So it's recognition and noticing of good, and then there's how you uh, express that. So we find this very, very intriguing uh, piece of Talmud uh, in, in the book of Avodah Zarah. And it talks about God, uh, Moses tells the people, Moses is admonishing the people, and he tells them, you guys are kfuye tova, b'nei kfuye tova. You guys are rejecting good, means you're ingracious, and you're the sons of people that rejected good. Basically, it's a family habit. You, know? you guys do it, and you got to get lifted from your parents. Why is that? Where did the Jewish people reject the good? Uh, because the Jewish people said, uh, quote, just lost the place here. Sorry. Yes, okay, but that's, that, that, that's true. But what example did they bring? Let's do this example. Because it takes it a step further here. The people said, why did you bring us up from Egypt to the wilderness to die? There is no food and no water, and our soul is disgusted with this insubstantial food. They, they hated the manna. It's the same thing every day. Same thing every day, but also, uh, 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 Rashi points out that the word colloquial, it's, it's the word kal, it means very light. Uh, one of the characteristics of manna was that you did not need to do any waste removal. You didn't have to go to the bathroom. right? So... Uh, that's right. But the people said, hey, is there something, is there any other thing that a human consumes but doesn't expel? They're like, this man is going to kill us. And what does God say? God says, you know, I gave you the manna and it's a great blessing because, you know, they were encamped, you know, very close. There was, you know, it was a camp. But what do you have to do if you have to go to the bathroom? You have to leave the entire camp. You have to walk a few miles, dig a little sho- take a shovel. You know, it's a huge hassle. So God, on one hand, saved them from the hassle. And what do they do? They complain about it. Specifically in the area where God did the most good for them was the area that they were ingracious to. They didn't recognize the goodness. It was good and they thought it was bad. Just the incredible irony. Specifically what was good about it, it saved them from the hassle after the bathroom. That was what they, what they were complaining about. Or maybe they were complaining that they had a trade-off not going to the bathroom versus eating the same stuff for 40 years. Well, and it was not black caviar, I assume, right? Uh, so, and they looked at the trade-off and decided, no, it's not worth it. And then they complained. So maybe it was a, a logical or judicial choice before they... But, but they pointed specifically to the fact that they have to go to the bathroom. That was mentioned in the same Well, it's... It's not implied, but it's the word. The word that's used heavily implies it. So it's not, it's not just the Talmud made it, the rabbis made it up. 
It's not that. It's it's it's, it's reflected in the in the verses as well. Um, but but what but what how does the point that not only if they're ingracious and I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to mimic you, but I, I'm mimicking like what I hear a lot. Uh, you didn't say that. Did you say that? You didn't say that. No, but like uh, you hear all the time that these 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 like band of rats, like it's like the uh, elders of Zion. You know, they get together and let's say, how can we make the Jews' life as miserable as possible? You know, let's let you know, let's 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 get together. Like, rabbis, these rabbis, let's invent all these things just to make the Jewish people's lives miserable. Jewish or Gentiles? Jews, the Jews. No, there's elders of Zion. We dominate the finance. Every hundred oh. years, we meet. You weren't invited. Hmm? You weren't invited. Nice. My grandfather. <laughs> So I didn't mean that in any kind of same way. I apologize. Torah calls the elders of Zion. That's the minutes of uh, of the uh, of these meetings. How are we going to dominate world finance for the next hundred years? Every hundred years they meet. Uh, but either way, I didn't mean to. Uh, I apologize for that. So the mission turned out okay. Yeah, it turned out pretty good. Um, so, so that's what it says. So it says, and 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 this is a higher level. Because this is not just you know uh, uh, just. A, a blanket refusal to accept the good. It's 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 more granular. It's specifically in the area where God. They didn't notice. They they, they didn't think it through and realize. Oh, this actually is very good. Okay, so that's they're ingracious. They they reject the good and their descendants. They're they're the children of who of someone who rejected the good. So who is the forefather of these people? Who is their antecedent? Who also rejected good? Exactly right. Adam. What did Adam say? So God says, why did you eat from the tree? The woman that you gave me, she gave it to me to eat. Right? You gave me, he's blaming God. And, and he's saying, God, you caused me to sin because you gave me this woman. And what did God intend when he gave him the woman? To be a companion and a helper. Once again, the same idea. It, the blame right, or the, the association of negativity was specifically in the area where the good was intended. And, the, and, and, you know, so it's the same idea. Thus, the Jewish people, like Moses tells them, you are descendants of Adam. There's, there's a big problem with that. If I say, hey, you know, you guys have a family characteristic. This is what you guys do. But actually, it's a human characteristic because everyone came from Adam. So if Adam is the father of mankind... And Adam has this malady, and this malady is, her, is, 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 uh, is hereditary, then what does that say? Perhaps that says that this is a human condition. Something is that you have the Jewish people, your descendants of, no, it's, you're just of Adam. Everyone's descendants of Adam. It's a human condition. Adam is man. Man, man is reflective of this idea. So essentially what we're telling, what we're saying here is, is this Talmud is revealing two tremendous insights. Number one, that the or, or, or high level of ingratitude is a misrepresentation of good or misperception of good, where the good is, is there and it's being displayed, but the way it's interpreted in our mind is, is as bad. Means, and that, once again, uh, goes back to your point that the first step of appreciation is, is intellectual, is the recognition, is the, is the cognitive part of it, where you realize, you're, you're mindful, you notice that there's good here. That's number one. But number two, we find out this is from Adam. Thus, essentially, I think we can make the argument 
This is a human condition. Humans are likely to misattribute good as bad, or at least not recognize the good. Thus, it's, it's, it's something fundamental to, to, to humanity. Fundamental to humanity is the idea that we are not likely to always appreciate the good, to notice the good, to be mindful of the good that happens to us. Yeah, so uh, I, I would agree to that statement. So, so you're saying that this is very, very similar. That was exactly up to this point. And we started off by saying that this is a, a central, a core quality. And it's, it has a lot of offshoots. Uh, I, I, I would characterize love as noticing the good in someone else. I would say appreciation is noticing the good deeds of someone else. The good qualities, the good characteristics of someone else, you love them. The good deeds of someone else, well, you'll appreciate them. It's very, very similar. And, and we'd say that the, uh, the ham, we're hamstrung similarly to both of them. Because we'll notice the bad qualities in someone, and we'll notice the bad deeds of someone, but we'll have a hard time noticing the good qualities and the good deeds of someone else. And it's very much linked, and I think that they have an overlap. I think if you notice the good deeds of someone else, well, how likely you are to notice the good qualities? Very likely. You know, if you don't, and, if you, and if you only notice the bad deeds of someone else, and you never notice the good deeds of someone else, if you're not mindful of that... Like you're likely to not love them as much. So I think there's a very close interrelationship with that. Um, you know, I think another class that we gave recently here about kindness, four kinds, and how and how kindness is going to change you are because it's once again the same. I think it's the same perception. I think the perception of awareness of what someone else is going through. It, it, it's 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 a it, you know it's a perception. It's it's how you imagine life. How, what is someone else going through is the question in the mind of of the uh, of the kind person, right? what are the qualities of someone else? Is the question of the mind of someone who has love. What is the good deeds of someone else? Is the question of someone who has appreciation. But all three of them are a certain uh, departure from maybe the human condition, which is what Adam started off with: this selfishness and noticing the bad in someone else, blaming the woman, blaming God. You know, all those are rooted in selfishness. And, you know, when we talk about this great statement of Rabbi Akiva, love your neighbor as self, this is a, this, this is a fundamental tone because we see that really these things have such tremendous overlap. You, look, you know, appreciation, kindness, and, and love, those three things, don't, you know, those, those are, seem to be mutually exclusive. But at the core of a human and what a human looks like before and after they achieve that quality, they're very similar. And it, I would say it drives very nicely with loving your fellow yourself. And that's to be a core quality because that brings about all these other things. And I want to make the argument, um, we spoke about this during kindness, that faith as well. Faith as well is linked to appreciation. In fact, the Talmud does say, if someone, if someone fails to appreciate the goodness of his fellow, they're going, to, they're going to come to fail to appreciate the goodness of God. If you do not have appreciation to men, you will eventually not have appreciation to God. Very similar to what we said with regards to kindness, right? If you don't have, if if you're insular, if you just look at yourself, if you just see the bad of others but not the good of others, right? 
If you see the bad deeds or the bad qualities of others, but not the good deeds and the good qualities of others. If you're just very self-centered, self-focused, you won't have the faith either. You won't have the kind, right? Because if you just think about yourself, well, then where's, where's God going to fit into this picture? He's not. Uh, but I think it extends here even further. So I, th- I think there's a lot of room here to, to, to build a framework of, of, of core character qualities uh, and, and, the, and, the, and the various offshoots of those qualities. It's the, the, the parent qualities uh, and then the, 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 the offshoots or the uh, children qualities of, of, of those qualities. Sounds weird. Uh, either way, but I, I think it does, does it make sense? Should I say it again? I think it makes sense. You guys can figure it out. Um, That's yeah, maybe a very nice tool to use. The Torah tells us that um, man is created in the image of God. Well, what does that do to our to our uh, re- uh, relationships with other people? It should exactly. up at a level. I want to say a little more here. I want to say that this quality is going to help us achieve happiness. I want to say this quality is going to help us deal with any difficulties we have in life. Um, I may have given this example before. Say it again. If you heard it before, I apologize. I have this terrible fear of repeating content. You know, it's um, it's not so bad to hear something twice, right? So, you know, um, if we're not appreciative, what gets our attention? Something bad that happens to us always gets our attention. It's always going to get attention. Something good happens to us, well, it depends. If someone's a appreciative person, then that, that will get their attention. If someone's not an appreciative person, that won't get their attention. Ninety-eight percent. Okay, battle it out. Battle it out. But I, I think that. But probably because that that is, uh, it's just pandering to who the people are. That's what the people want to hear because that's what they hear. That's what they're, you know, that's the, probably the breakdown of the content of the media is probably very similar to the breakdown of the, of the qualities or the, 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 um, the, the appreciation versus ingratitude within the average person. So, um, so you have this guy who's um, on one of the high floors of one of the big buildings. It's always the Empire State Building. I don't know why. I guess because that's the, you know, that's the classic... The skyscrapers. He's in the Burj Khalifa. Sorry, that's what he was. So he's he's on the seventh floor and he's locked in this room. He's locked in and he doesn't have a phone and he doesn't have internet and he's stuck and doors locked, doors jammed and he wants to get the attention of the passerby to save him. Everybody remembers this one. Everybody heard it. Heard it before. No. And it has, we have only two people that remember it. Anyone else remembers it? You wrote so three. No. So he goes out the window and tries to holler to the people down. And they can't hear. It's too far. It's windy. So he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start throwing out some change and to see if people pick up the change and they'll look up to see and they'll see me there and I'll wave my sign. And he throws on the change and he's throwing dollar bills and five no one's left stooping it up and just walking away. 
And he's throwing down 20s and 50s. I don't know why he has so much cash in his room. Maybe it's like a cash for gold place. You gotta keep a lot of cash on site. Uh, and eventually he's throwing down 100 and everyone's just scooping it up and running. No one looks up. So he says, you know what? He goes to the pot of plants. He grabs a handful of, uh, of uh, pebbles, chucks it down, and everyone's like, hey, what's going on? You know, and they save him. And the idea, the idea obviously being is that God gives us so much good. But God wants our attention. He wants our attention. He wants our mindfulness. He wants our appreciation. He wants the relationship that is created by this, by, you know, by this relationship. He wants the, the emotional relationship by the relationship of God giving us. He gives us everything. He gives us the water. We talked about the oxygen, the food, everything. Right? The environment, our, our life, our, our bodies, you know, people, intelligence, vision. We can hear. We can smell. That we taste different foods. All that's God's gift to us. And he says, I want you to realize that when you notice it. He gives us more and more and more and more and we, and we ignore it. But he needs our attention. Because that was a big potted plant. Uh, and, and then he said, and then unfortunately, when humans right, refuse to notice and to have this relationship, he takes the, he goes and throws the pebbles, and that's a little painful. Makes us Jewish. Yeah, but a lot of them became more, more believers. You know, I yeah. wonder what the rate of education was because of the Holocaust with the remnants of the Golden Calf. Who knows? Why didn't they learn that? Forget about Holocaust. That's all called Middle Age. Nothing but Middle Age to me was better. The Middle Ages or? Middle Age. Middle Age. Like yeah. midlife crisis? But either way, in Judaism, we say that God is not just deliberately trying to make our life miserable. He doesn't need us. You say God needs us. Well, it means, okay, so we're breaking down the philosophical. Obviously, philosophic God needs nothing, but God wants to have this kind of relationship with us. And we need it. And God promises that we're going to have it. And there's a good way to have it, there's a bad way to have it. And the argument is that if we, and the Torah makes this very clear, and historically we also see this as well, um, if we're doing our job, if we're having that relationship, if we're being mindful, if we have that special connection uh, with the Almighty, well, then he doesn't need to get our attention in bad ways. Um, we don't view God as, 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 as this, uh, you know, this diabolical, deity that wants to make our life miserable. But sometimes our life does get miserable. But it's, it's not because God is tantalized by torturing us, for sure. God wants our attention. God wants our, uh, you know, our mindfulness, our awareness, our relationship. And therefore, he says sometimes it's just, he showers us with good and we, it doesn't work. That doesn't work. You have a little, little smack in the face, so that works. Well, that's obviously, there's, there's much better ways to do that. sort of like thinking to myself like exactly how do I you know hold my heart so I can go like you know, you know but that's how you do it is, is that what you're saying basically it's just throughout the day just showing appreciation for the weather 
with all your hearts. How many hearts you have? Is it every ventricle? Uh, but yes, it does seem to be like an emotional, even just loving God. Forget about with what, just loving God. Just love God, obviously love with an emotion. Well, how are you going to have that emotion? You have to try to translate that into an emotional level as well. You said, you and said there's better ways, there's better ways to teach us a lesson or whatever. No, there's better ways for us. There's more effective ways. Dropping the... Uh, uh, the rocks is a much more effective way to get our attention. Oh, However, for us, we'd rather have the dollar bills, 20s and 50s. Just easy, easier to get rid of them. Uh, because you have to explain it to the aforementioned IRS. I think that it changed one of the bills for female. Somebody with a $5 bill. They hate Jackson. Everyone hates Andrew Jackson. The victim goes to school. That's right. I want to have a, a Teddy Roosevelt. Would you guys like that? There's a program on CBS. Well, he was He's a awesome. He was I awesome. I think we don't appreciate President Obama. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just a little gasoline, you know. So, um, <laughs> I'm going to go now. <laughs> now, if I ask how many people voted for Obama in 08 and 12, and then how many would vote for him then, <laughs> I think there would be a group. I think appreciation. Well, it's not. It's not our default stance. As in, we're born with innate need to appreciate everything in sight. No, we're, like bo- we're born quite the opposite. Exaggeration being well, born like we grow up or when we become self-aware. That's what I mean. Like obviously, it was exaggeration, or maybe a little bit of a metaphor. Serial appreciation. Appreciation should be a rational choice. There are some default things we love, which our children, our spouses, our parents. But the rest, if you decide to appreciate something, it should be based on some rational decision because that person or that uh, particular happenstance deserves our appreciation, not because it's just a good idea. To but, 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 but it also makes us into a different person. Like I think Bernie brought, brought up the idea of, of blessings. So Talmud says you have to give 100 blessings a day. Well, there you go. So, honey, well, you, may, you never know. Like, you, you know, it's you do get very far with just a the prayers. Blessing, you could just be blessing someone. No, the, 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 a Jewish blessing. So it means with yeah. the blessing, with the with the Baruch Atah Hashem, using oh. the Almighty's name. Um, but if you just do the prayers, you already have like eighty-eight or something like that. You go to the bathroom six times or whatever, five times a day. But like I say, it's a great example. Every time you every time you go to the bathroom, there's a Jewish blessing for it. And how, how, how likely are we to be feel entitled or, or, or just, uh, you know, feel like we deserve, you know, it's, it's to not realize, uh, to not be mindful of the wonderful miracle of, of our digestive system. That, that's a marvelous miracle, but we take it for granted. Yeah. If you're a gastroenterologist, probably you do more than six blessings. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I gave this example before. Like, like, how often have we thought about the, how how much utility we have out of our hands because our fingers bent, like oh. the thumb, but all the fingers, no, like fifty percent. Right, but but just like, what would life be if our hands were just like that? If there was no, but you know, like it's just. 
we don't take it. We, we just take it for granted. No one, we, most of us, probably I would make the argument, have never in our lives thought about that. You only have to do a sprain your thumb because you, like you injure it. And unfortunately, we have to wait till we get injured until we realize it. It's the same thing. We have to, the God has to throw the rocks on us until, until we notice it. You know? But we have those for the other hundred blessings. If we, if we make the blessings after the food, uh, after the food, before the food, after the bathroom, in the morning, at night, those are blessings going to help us to make become less entitled, feel less entitled, uh, and more appreciative. Unfortunately, that's a, you know that's very bad. But I think that the mitzvahs and the 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 rituals uh, uh, that the Torah presents for us help us to achieve that end, those ends. Either way, you guys, those are some thoughts. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Um, and let's Thank try you. to be a little bit more, more mindful of the goodness that happens to us. Be more aware of it, be more, more cognizant of it, and that will uh, generate positive responses to other people. Thank you. Thank you, guys.